The moment that we accept Christ, we are not only moving from death to life, but we are equally dying to ourselves. This message is from our series, No Longer Slaves, where we are learning that we are no longer slaves to sin and death. My name is Jonathan Alote. I am from Ghana in West Africa. And um, like Pastor Travis said, last, last term I interned um, as an intern with the outreach coordinator right here at Covenant. Um, it was, was a great learning opportunity. And in the past term and this term, I'm part of a class called YPC. Pastor Travis named it YPC. Um, oh, <laughs> that's a young preacher's class. And he, he, on Tuesday mornings when we gather, Pastor Travis teaches scripture um, and also even more importantly, teaches us how to communicate that scripture because there's so many good things found in the Bible, but he teaches us how to, how to communicate them so people can hear and listen. As you know, Covenant Church is a church wholly devoted um, to seeking and saving the lost, and Pastor Travis is passionate about that. And so if you're here and you have, you have some desires or some inkling in your heart to communicate God's word, um, I would definitely encourage you to speak with Pastor Travis or myself anytime uh, from now and um, would plug you into the class. It's a great learning, learning opportunity, and we are very thankful for it. I'd like to scripture, and then we'll continue in prayer. Chapter 6, we're reading Romans chapter 6. We're journey through Romans 6 two weeks ago, last week, and this week, we're still in Romans 6, and I would like to read to us uh, the text we're focusing on this morning. Romans 6 from verse 4, it says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in the room. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. Lord, I pray that today as we press pause in our very busy weeks, we would sit and listen. I also pray, Lord, that you'd peel away all the layers of religion that cloud our minds and hinder us from accepting your word for what it is. Father, I pray that you speak to us and empower us to live righteous lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been in a journey through Romans 6 for the past three weeks. This is our third week. Two weeks ago, Pastor Travis taught us that the death of Jesus made it legally possible for us 
to have his righteousness. So when Jesus died on the cross, he made it legally possible for us to have his righteousness. So a righteousness we could not work for, a righteousness we could not earn because we're just not good enough. We just always kept failing. Jesus on that cross made it legally possible to have his righteousness. And last week, through our journey in Romans 6, we're learning that the death and resurrection of Jesus makes it possible for our inner content. That's the nature of our hearts in our lives. It makes it possible for us to be transformed into these new beings so that God is not just interested in changing your outward appearance. Pastor Travis called it branding, right? God is not just interested in changing your branding. He is very much interested in renewing your heart. He is interested in making you new. This week, we'll be re- as, we, as we just read through Romans 4, we'll be focusing on, on something Paul calls dying to sin. And in fact, he says we are dead to sin. We are dead to sin. And so as we go through the text, I want you to think about three things. What does it mean? The first is, what does it mean for us to be dead to sin? The second is, how did we die to sin? And the third is, is dying to sin the end? Is dying to sin the end? This this semester, I'm taking my first human anatomy class. I like science. I like to investigate. I'm always happy about science. But this semester was a little different. So in my human anatomy class, we were told that our lab is a human cadaver lab. <laughs> and and uh, if you're like me, when you hear cadaver or anything about dead people, you're, you're not very happy. And so when he said cadaver lab, I was wondering, like, could we, could I take this class online maybe? Like online, I'll be clicking a few pictures. That would be great. I'll I'll learn a lot. But he said, no, you're supposed to come to class. We're taking a cadaver lab. And so you'll be looking at this cadaver lay on the table and you'll be learning all sorts of things. All right, great. So the next week we showed up in class and I had my goggles, my lab coat. We, We came to the cadaver table. So I didn't even know they made those, but these cadavers, lay on cadaver tables. And these tables are like built for these things. Like they have lids and all sorts of things to make sure the cadaver is in place. Anyway, this cadaver table had a lid on there. We came close to the table and uh, the professor took the lid off. He took the different cloths off and showed us the cadaver. I was honestly a little surprised at how through chemicals they could preserve this body for, for that long. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was brilliant. But to be honest with you, I was a little scared. So like I stood way back and peeped. And I was like, all right, I, I got it, professor. Like, yeah, I get it. And then um, after, after that, he, he asked us to go back to our seat. So, so that's what we did. We sat down. And during his lecture, <laughs> the unthinkable happened. The cadaver table by itself, the lid on that table fell off. Now, if you've been watching Walking Dead like me, like when you see a cadaver table lid fall off, you're not happy. (laughs) Like my imagination went a a little too far. I was seeing things. I was looking for exit signs. I was like, just in case I can't escape, I can use this fire extinguisher to knock this guy out and like all these kind of things. And the professor just came and, and he was like, oh, sorry, guys, this happens often. What? And he just, he just put the lid on there and says, oh, I hope it doesn't happen again. And we're thinking, could we replace this table maybe? Because someone's going to pass out in this class if this keeps happening. 
the moral of the story is this. When uh, you're taking anatomy, don't be enthusiastic about it. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, we want dead things to stay dead. If something is declared dead, it means it has no authority, it has no control, it cannot run our lives anymore, it has no say in what we do, we want it to stay dead. And Paul is saying here that we are dead to sin. We want that statement of fact to be true, right? And Paul is, he uses the word dead, a very strong word dead, to say that sin no longer has authority or control over our lives. Let's look more into that. Read with me Romans 6, verse 4. It says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Paul here is using baptism as an illustrating point. He's saying that when we were baptized, so, so physically, when Pastor Travis or Pastor, Davis, Pastor David immersed anyone into water as baptism, it's a symbol of something that's happening spiritually. And spiritually, I want us to, to talk a little bit about that. When Jesus died on the cross for us, he accomplished a lot. You see, Jesus Christ of Nazareth accomplished three very important things that no one could have ever accomplished. He alone fulfilled all the laws of God. He alone. The second thing he did was, he alone was himself the promises of God made perfect. All of God's promises were summed up in his son, Jesus Christ. And the third thing Jesus did that no one could have ever done was he was a sacrifice for our sins. He was a sacrifice for our sins. So when our sins were laid on Jesus, when all of our sins were laid on Jesus on that cross, he died for our sins. But not only did he die for our sins, he died to the power of sin. He died to the authority of sin. So sin no longer had control over him. Let me explain it this way. In the 18th century, in the British there was a, a system where people who wanted to move to the new America had to come to the new America and work. They worked for a fixed number of years, those who didn't have money. They worked for a fixed number of years. After those years, they paid money to, they paid that money to the British government and they were free. They could live as free men in the new America and that was called indentured servanthood. On that cross, Jesus took all of our debt and all of our shame and everything we owed. See, the human race before Jesus came and even after are enslaved by sin. And so Jesus, who himself fulfilled all the law and all the promises of God, when it was time for him to be sacrificed, all the slavery chains that were on humanity were laid on him. And so on that cross, he owed his life to sin because he had taken our place of debt. When he died, he made full payment. He made full payment and it was finished. So Paul is saying here that Jesus didn't just die for our sins, but he also died to the authority of sin. And now he's saying that for us, when we accept the death 
and resurrection of Jesus, we are immersed into that death to sin, meaning that sin no longer has authority over you and over me. Sin no longer has authority over you and over me. Why? Because Jesus made the full payment. He made the full payment. But it gets even better. It gets even better. It gets even better. The verse 4 that we read says, For if we have been united with him in a death, in a death like his, we shall also be united with him in a resurrection like his. What's he saying? He's saying just as Jesus came out of the dead, just as Jesus rose again victoriously on the third day, he says for us as well, we come back to life. Not only are we dead to sin, but now we have new life. We have new life. This new life Paul is talking about is something very important that was even prophesied many, many years ago. God's eternal plan for humanity was that we would have this new life. In Ezekiel, we would read about a prophecy Ezekiel made to the children of Israel, but was also a foreshadow of what God was about to do in my life and in yours. So in Ezekiel 36, the children of God had sinned against God. And this time, as the prophet Ezekiel was speaking to the people of Israel, he was telling them that God's plan for you is to give you a new heart. And he's to put his spirit within you. But when he made that prophecy, these people understood that a sacrifice had not been made yet. So when Jesus made that sacrifice for us, this prophecy came to pass. Let's read it in Ezekiel 36 from verse 25. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and give you a heart of flesh. In Ghana, we have two seasons. In the US, you have four, right? You have winter, spring, summer, and fall, and it cycles again. In Ghana, in West Africa, we have two seasons, two major seasons. We have a rainy season and a dry season. In the dry season, our soil, our farmland, so the soil in the farmland, right, becomes very dry. Because of the heat of the day, the heat of the sun, I mean, it gets as hot as 93, 94, very regularly. And in those dry seasons, all the moisture evaporates from the topmost layer of the soil. So all the worms and all the creeping creatures just like go down into deeper parts of the earth because the topmost layer dies. It becomes very hard. It cannot receive the, any seed. And when you even water it, you have to till the ground before water can seep into the, into the soil. So, so in the dry season, we have no farming. What we do is play soccer. <laughs> That's what you would do, hopefully. So we go to people's cleared farms, and guess what? We have a good soccer ball, very smooth, perfect for soccer, and, and we, we, play, we play our lives away. <laughs> but... In the rainy season, when there's a lot of rain, the rain penetrates the topmost layer, 
moistens and softens this topmost layer and makes it conducive for growing crops. It makes it conducive for farmers, right, to do their work and grow crops and harvest and feed many. Similarly, when I think of a heart of stone that Ezekiel talked about and a heart of flesh, I think of these two soils. Because the heart of stone is insensitive and cannot receive the word of God. Neither can it receive anything produced by God. It's a heart of stone. When I think of a stone, I think it doesn't have nerves. It, it, can't, it can't receive. It can't, it can't have access to the things of God. It's stony, like, top, like the topmost layer of the soil in the, in the summer or in the dry season. But then he says, I'm taking this heart out, and I'm giving you a heart of flesh, one that can receive the seed of the word of God. One that can receive the water of life from Jesus. One that can, can receive the things of God because it's a heart of flesh. It's a heart of flesh. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So, Jesus, so Apostle Paul is telling us here in 2 Corinthians that if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone. The old heart is gone. The old heart is gone. You're not the same you. He says the new has come. The new has come. In my life, I've had moments where I would do something, I'll, I'll, I'll get upset or get angry, and a friend of mine would be like, you haven't changed. Like, you're still the same you. Like, you still get angry the way you do. You haven't changed. That's, their, that's what they're saying, but that's not what God's Word is saying. God's word is saying that when you come to Christ, you're made new. He gives you a new heart. He puts his spirit in, in you. So to recap a little bit, before I ask, is dying to sin the end? To recap a little bit, we, we have so far learned that we are dead to sin, right? Dead to sin. Not to say that we cannot be tempted by sin, but to say that sin no longer has authority over us because Jesus took the chains on the cross, and when he died, he made full payment. So we, now that we believe in him, we're dead to sin. And then he says we are also alive to God. We have a new heart and a new mind, and his spirit is in us. So we are receptive to the things of God. So my question to you is, is dying to sin the end? When you step out of this place tomorrow, Monday morning, and you're, you're with friends, or Wednesday evening, you're with your family, how does this word affect you? You say, Jonathan, how do I live my life knowing that I'm dead to sin and alive to God? How do I live my life? I'd like us to answer that in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, from verse 1 to 2. Here's what Paul says. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, that's you and me, again, dead to sin, alive to God, raised with Christ. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He said, set your minds. It doesn't get any more practical than this. He said, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. When I read this, a thought I have is set your affections 
on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Let our minds and our hearts and our passions be consumed by things that have to do with God and his kingdom as opposed to things that go on here. I watch football. I watch soccer. In the fall, I cannot wait for the Buckeyes to be rolling again, you know. Like sometimes, I, like I miss fall. <laughs> when, when there's summer, well, I love summer too. But sometimes I look forward to the, to the football season a lot. And I know many of us here cannot wait, right, to paint our bodies scarlet and gray and like do the OHIO, right, and have conversations about which quarterback is better. Uh, if, if some of your friends go to schools, that suck. No, sorry. But, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just saying that like you cannot wait to talk about football because you love it. I cannot wait to talk about soccer because I love soccer. Paul is saying here that you have passions, that's great. And, and there's nothing wrong in loving soccer or football or whatever it is. But here's what he's saying. He's saying if you're dead to sin and alive to God, your passions, your mind, your heart should look more toward the things of God than the things on the earth. That's what he's telling us. That's what he's telling us. He says in verse 3, I'll just read it quickly. He says, for you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. But then he says more in verse 12. And I'll, I'll like us to read that as well. And as I read this, I'll read it very slowly because I want to hear what Paul is saying. He's speaking to you and to me. Dead to sin, alive to God. How do I live my life moving forward? Here we go. He says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You must forgive. He says, you're dead to sin, alive to God. You have a new heart. You are now receptive to the word of God. You now understand when God speaks to you. He says, your life would look differently, right? You'd have a different outlook. He says, you would be holy. You'd be kind, humble. You'd be meek and patient. And as, as I read these words, I know a temptation for us is to think, Man, I've got to be more patient. I need to be more humble. And I need to do this and I need to do that. Brother and sister, like, that's not what God's word is saying here. He's not instructing you to do new things. What he's telling you, he's revealing the nature that you have. He's saying now that you're dead to sin and alive to God, God is not going to do any new addition. The heart of flesh you have, this is what it does. So this is not a promise to you that maybe one day you'd be more humble or maybe one day you'd be kinder or maybe one, that's not what he's saying to you. He's saying God's new heart in you, this is how it naturally should function. And so as you live your life, you're like, I'm dead to sin and I'm alive to God. I'm a humble person. Then you act humbly. I am called to be patient. So you walk patiently. Right? Like you step into the room and your mom is asleep and you, you, you realize, oh, she's asleep. I'm just going to be quieter. Like you, you don't have to necessarily assume a new position on life. That's not what he's saying here. So Paul is saying just the reality of it is 
to be what he's called you to be, to live it out, to live out what God's word is saying. Thank you for listening to this message from our series, No Longer Slaves, at Covenant Church. We hope you were impacted by what you heard today. If you would like to invest in life change through this ministry, feel free to visit us online at covenantchurch.us forward slash give.